This is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Bonsoir. And it is our goal to podcast. It is our financial <laughs> obligation to podcast. It is. And uh, speaking of financial obligation, that is because uh, we have some lovely Patreon members. Yes. Uh, we Thank actually, you. This is our public Patreon. This mm-hmm. is uh, brought to you by our Patreon members. Last week we did a, a podcast specifically for them, mm-hmm. and they get to dictate some of it. Um, and so we're doing some shout outs because we realized in patreon mm-hmm. that we had member benefits listed one way on one page and member benefits right. listed another way yep. so that was my mistake <clears throat> blame non-birding bill yes uh so if you're um if you're a bobolink you get access to all the you get access to all the free episodes all the public episodes and all the free episodes that we do if you're the next tier which is, what's the next That's year? the Kiskity. That's Kiskity, the $5 level. You get all of that, plus you get, uh, we're going to do a shout out for you, and then we're going to, if we, when we eventually do a live episode, you'll get access to that and mailbags and things like that. Bonus episodes that we do. Nobody apparently wants a mailbag, because I keep asking for mail. Right. And no one is sending me any questions. I'll write you letters. Okay. Or just tell me your bird story. Sure. I don't know. And we'll read it dramatically. We'll come up with bonus stuff for you. Yeah. No. Yeah, we've done some bonus episodes already. Sure. Um, but we had it mistakenly in there that you get a postcard on one page on one of the pages that said you get a postcard right that was, I, was, I was copying and pasting things between levels that and the postcard is specifically for the $25 a month bills members. brown birds yes bills brown birds you get um you, our photo our engagement photo our engagement, personalized personalized yes we got we sent them out today yes so and they are, are hilarious the i hope you enjoy them and so and then there's also the shoe bill level mm-hmm. and we only have one shoe bill and they get a shout out so if you shout want, out to the shoe bill shout out and to they the also shoe get bill. to pick uh, a topic they do get to pick a topic every six months so here's the thing if um you were expecting a postcard at the five dollar level and you're mm-hmm. really upset about that uh Email me, Sharon, at birdchick.com. Yeah. I'll find it something. You won't get the anniversary photo, because no. that, you have to get, or not anniversary, the engagement photo. That That is, is, is special. But I will send you something if you've been out of shape. But, but I will for, go ahead and give them shout-outs. But for the people who do shout-outs, uh, and this is something we talked about recently, Sharon and I, our name is Steitler. And if people read the name, they don't know how to pronounce it. And if people hear the name, they don't know how to spell it. I would so, wager, I would say they don't know how to do either, whether they've exactly. heard it or not. <laughs> so we're going to do our best here. This is, so thank you so much. Uh, thank you to our uh, Bills Brown Birds. We've thanked you already. And here are these are uh, These are our Kiskities yep. and our Shoe Bills. So yep. Our Kiskities are John Bilderbeck. Woo! Clifford Hawley. Yeah. Yeah, Cliff, Cliff. Cliff can hang. Yep. Uh, Janice Stark. Classic Janice. Yes. Uh, Christy Morley. Oh, Morley. Where's my Morley's at? Rebecca Esch. Yeah. Or as we would say in Minnesota, Ish. Ish. And then um, I'm going to mess this up and I feel completely bad for our one shoe bill because mm-hmm. I have met her. Shoe bill's in my heart. Where are my shoe bill's at? She's an amazing felt artist. You could probably meet her if you went to the Indiana Dunes Birding Festival, mm-hmm. which is a lovely festival up at Indiana Dunes, which is no longer a national seashore. It is now a full-on national park. What? Yes, we now have 50 national parks. 
well, we have 418 national park sites. Mm-hmm. There are now 50 or 60 that have the official. You're just pulling these numbers out of your ass. I have they to change say, change all the time. It's it's like bird taxonomy. The way people change the designations okay. of national park sites. But anyway, you should go to the Indiana Dunes Birding Festival. It's a lovely time. Okay. Uh, it's good good way to see some prothonotary warblers. Um, but so this is Annie, and we were having an argument as has as to how to pronounce her last name. No, you do this. I cannot read your handwriting. Because I'm going to say it one way, and you said it was a different way. No, go ahead and say it. I was going to say it was a, a gear. Okay. I don't know, a gear. Thank you so much. Annie from Indiana, who does the amazing the only, felted birds. You are the only shoe bill right now, Annie. You own that uniqueness. And if I like totally butchered your name, just DM me on Facebook. Yeah. Because uh, you're one of the few people I will pay attention to. Or even to if DMs. you just want to fuck with her. If you want a new last name. <laughs> God. Annie Albatross. Do not ask us for new last names. Actually, you know what? Which should be Annie Goody. We talked about this. So my last name is Steitler. S-T-I-T-E-L-E-R. And I've... It used to annoy me for like the first 18 years of my life that people would get my name wrong. And I'm just like, I'm past that now. I look I look over it. I look over it too. I don't mind it. And it, what, what baffles me are people that I've known for right. well over 10 years. Right. Who are colleagues. Who can't spell my... The, the, oh, that doesn't bother me at all. There's a silent E in the middle of the name. That's yeah. crazy. I have never run into that before. Well, it, you run into it in Germany. Yeah. But, uh, no, the thing that gets me is, speaking of Germans, <laughs> Germans are usually the ones who mess up our name. Recently, yeah. some, some, some German friends who've known us a long time, like, uh, put my name up in some advertising. I was like... It was like one of the weirdest spellings I had ever seen of the last name. It wasn't any of the usual. Like normally people drop the E mm-hmm. or just switch an E and an I. And, right. and, and I get it. And and it's If one my of the name way- was S-T-E-I-T. That's the way people really want to spell it. That would be no problem. Yeah. I'm seriously considering thinking like having my name change. Just that is easier. the reason why I go by Bird Chick. Yeah. Is because when I took your name oh, when no, I got it's married. Dreadful. It's yeah. a dreadful, weird spelling. But anyway, after I was like, hey, that's not how it's spelled. This is how it's spelled. And I just figured, oh, this is some German spelling. Mm-hmm. And so then they put my name up in some online advertising and they misspelled it in a completely different way. And I'm like, mm. Mm. So here's the crazy thing. At my park, we have someone who has the last name Steeler and it's spelled mm. the way you want to change our name spelling. Okay. But it's missing a T. Ah. But people get us. I get his mail Wait, all the time. How is it missing a T? It's not Steedler. It's Steeler. So it's S T I E L E R. Right, Steeler. That's how I would pronounce that. People think he and I have the same last name. Uh, I was at a park service training a few years ago in the Grand Canyon, and uh, one of the instructors came up to me at a break and he was like, "Hey, I was uh, talking to your husband today," and I was like, "Why?" He was like, well, you know, he was just calling me. And, and I was like, no, no, I don't understand why Bill would call you. And he looked at me really confused. And he was like, you're not married to Rory? And I was like, no, our name is, shares a lot of the same letters, but we, that, no, that we are not married. That doesn't make any sense because stealer is an actual word. Someone who steals things is a stealer. That's not how you spell stealer, though. But, That's S-T-E-A-L-E-R. But, it's a word. but to, the difference between steitler and stealer... Is the difference between when you look at it on paper, it camp looks and the champ. same. It mm. looks it's it's like well, I'm trying to think what 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 are two words that people hire and flyer. It's do like not sound they're anything. there. T h e i r t h e r e. People yeah, don't know how to use those either. Anyway, it's or t h e y apostrophe r e. No, that's Steeler and Steitler. 
sound nothing alike. Basically, what they look at is like, I don't know how to pronounce either of these. There's a lot of S-T-E-I's oh. and some L's and then an R. What? what no, S-T-E-I-L-E-R. That I have no sympathy for. That is, anyway. Rory, you have all my sympathy. These people are morons. He's never going to listen to this podcast. Well, that's probably best for him. But anyway, that's why I go by Bird Chick. And, mm-hmm. you know, people who are really uncomfortable calling me Bird Chick is like, really, you have a better chance of just saying Bird Chick than just mispronouncing my name. Right. I think that's maybe maybe why I'm not verified is that you have Bird Chick and, like, all of my friends who are verified have, like, you know, because but my mind is, my Twitter is B Steitler, and it, that's just a complete nonsense. Have you applied for the Twitter verification? And you yeah. didn't get it? Did not. I think having... Published books helps get your Twitter sure. verification. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Because I was but like, I know people who are just like, you know, uh, Brandy, uh, our friend, it's the Brandy. She's a comedian. Mm-hmm. She's uh, she's verified. I have no explanation for it. I'm not hung I, up. I, I did not expect to get the blue check mark, but I'm, I was just, it was something I wanted yeah, to do. Because I'm not hung up on it. But no. it's just like, yeah. The only thing the blue check mark does is if you tag someone else with a blue check mark, right. oh, all of a sudden I need to take you seriously. Right, like right, right. I will tend, I tend to get. I like to think it gives me sort of a Philip Marlowe like noir detective credibility, where I have sort of the shabby detective. You know, it's like, oh gosh, I have I'm a... working in the noir Twitter world. <sighs> if any of you ever meet me in a bar, ask and me. You probably will. You probably will. Say, hey, what's your blue check mark story? Because I have a story to tell you about the blue check mark that I'm not willing to put on the record on the okay. podcast. But it is just, it is hilarious. And it, it made me, anyway. But no, I feel like what the blue check mark does was remember when Twitter first started? And if you followed Stephen Fry, he would follow you back. Yes, I'm, I'm one of the 560,000. Yeah, I'm, as, as am I. But. So you could tweet at anybody, mm-hmm. and 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 that and this is what I used to explain what Twitter was like. It was like going to a convention, one of your favorite conventions. Pick sure. your subject, and you're talking to people, and even people like, oh, I've always wanted to meet you, and I get to talk to you now. Mm-hmm. And people see these public conversations, and some people comment, as sometimes happens at a convention, like someone right. will make a, a joke as you're talking to someone, and so you got to meet all these people. And I and I think of people that I know now that I would not know had it not been for Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the Kardashians came onto Twitter, and it went right. terrible. And so I feel like the blue check mark helps you kind of filter and find Oh, yeah. No, people. that's absolutely, like, that's absolutely one of the features you get is if you have the blue check mark is that you filter out. Yeah, I, the, I, I will, like, get, and, and it's the interesting. unwashed masses like myself. But actually, I don't know if we want to have this discussion right now. But, like, I don't think that it was celebrities who ruined Twitter. I think it was young people. Who joined Twitter? Because I remember distinctly. You sound like such an old man. About no, I distinctly, distinctly about six years ago, there was an article about here's new Twitter, and it was all young people who were joining so that they could tweet at celebrities and ask them to wish them a happy birthday. I don't think that ruined Twitter. I think what ruined Twitter are uh, all these. uh, Well, number one, uh, the bots. Who sounds like an old person now? I'm not railing at the young people, but no, no, I think that, that, but I think it's more the troll factor because oh, yeah. it's, it kind of went the way of YouTube comments. Sure. Like, I'm just going to join this. I'm going to follow these hashtags and I'm going to say the most horrific thing that I oh, can. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I kind of got off Twitter after that. And the thing that impressed me was something happened 
earlier in this year. Some major news story maybe you heard about. And so I had a couple of tweets about that. Right. And it got picked up by a bunch of trolls. Mm -hmm. And I started having terrible things tweeted at me. But the thing that surprised me when I was looking, I was like, well, it's like, of course, I said something. I was a woman with an opinion. And so now these guys are going to come after me. But what what I found it interesting this time was that I wasn't getting rape threats or physical violence threats. And I was like, oh, that whole thing about Twitter cracking down on people doing it. It's like, this is the first time I've had this kind of reaction, negative reaction to a tweet. And I didn't have at least three physical violence threats in there and a rape threat. Yeah, that's why so I don't use Twitter. Twitter I, I, I know when people tell me Facebook is terrible and Twitter is great, I'm like, really? 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 I feel, I, I, I don't know. I need to find a way to filter Twitter again. I need to just like go through, call the herd. Yeah, no, I've, I have no advice for you. I go on Twitter for Five minutes a day every three days just to see what my friends are up to. And I don't really... And I'm having trouble seeing my friends because I have this whole... I read a very interesting article, and we didn't finish the movie, but you know the movie Bird Box, where if you open your eyes and see the demons, you go crazy and try to kill everybody. Somebody's theory was that the demons were supposed to be social media. That That was the metaphor of the movie. I completely understand that. There yeah. are my, my friends who can take a month long off of social media. Yeah. I envy them. But I can't do that because it's my job. Sure. Not even my bird chick job. It is part of my day-to-day federal right. government job. I've Yeah. Like, I'm not on Twitter very much at all. Um, and I've aggressively trimmed my Facebook thing. Like, people I... No, send me Facebook requests. I'm yeah, like, we, we've talked know. about this. We've sure. talked about how people try to use me to get back on no. your Facebook. I'm like, I can't. I no. can't help you. I can't happen. even get the First Lady of the ABA to be your friend anymore. Nope. Not going to happen. But, um, but no, right. it's, it's, it is it's it is interesting. I mean, I'm grateful for the Okay, let's get serious for a minute. Let's get the serious stuff All out right. of the way. All right, Sharon just turned her chair around and she's going to get real I'm, with Yeah, us. I'm going to get real. My hat is off to the... No, yeah. but seriously. So one thing that I am grateful for for about social media... I'm gonna give I'm gonna give an upsetting story and I'm gonna give kind of a positive story. Here we go. Bill Thompson. Yes. Uh, from Birdwatchers Digest. Uh, I've been sharing it a lot on social media. If you've ever gone to a bird festival, chances are good you have run into Bill. Bill is an amazing force of nature, and Bill is fighting stage four pancreatic cancer. Yep. And he had uh, an update on his caring bridge page. This is public. I'm not saying anything. I'm not. Telling tales out of school. Right. It's not it's not the prognosis any of us want to have for anyone that we care about. Sure. And so I'm grateful for social media that I'm able to keep up with Bill and his family, with Julie, with Wendy. I wouldn't be able to have these kind of updates for someone that I know that lives in rural Ohio. So I'm grateful to have that. And also, if you've ever read Birdwatcher's Digest or if you've ever encountered Bill, please follow up on his Caring Bridge page. I have it on my Facebook page. Um, he still has his podcast going that he does with Ben called Out There with the Birds. I cannot bring myself to listen to some of the most recent episodes, but if you know Bill, check it out. If you've ever encountered Bill Thompson and he made you happy or he did something or if maybe one of his books, like it started off as the Young Birders Guide and now it's called the New Birders Guide. It's one of, I, I it's a field guide that I recommend to people who like are getting into birding and they want something past just the color ID guides or the Merlin app. Um, the new birders guide is really fantastic. You should check that out. Um, 
you should get a subscription to Birdwatcher's Digest if you've never had one before. But again, if you have ever encountered Bill Thompson, and you know if you have, because he is an incredibly friendly individual and a very he's one of the most welcoming people in birding. Um, and if he's ever touched you, I would highly encourage you to reach out to him in any way possible because he would love to hear that. And now is the time to do that. And now I need to talk about something else. (laughs) I got this podcast all serious. So another thing that I'm grateful for with social media is... um, you and I have a very eclectic mix of friends. We, we have do. we have friends who are writers, performers, people who love to talk about. We just I, I'm so grateful for our friend community, birding and otherwise. And for years, I've had uh, a bunch of our friends say, "Oh, we know this woman down in Austin that you should know, named Tony Taylor." And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't friend rando birders on Facebook because I used to do that, and then that just led to dick pics in my inbox, you know. Right. <clears throat> Not that Tony ever would have done that. <laughs> the night is young. The night is young. Anyway, but uh, you know, I would see her comment on our uh, movie friends post, and I was like, okay, maybe she, maybe, maybe she can hang. Maybe she can hang. So then I was like, okay, fine. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna friend her. And her husband made it possible for her to come to Minnesota. In March, says, honey, it's your birthday. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take you on a surprise trip. And then she lands in Minneapolis when we have lunch. Didn't tell her anything about the trip. Didn't tell her anything about the trip. And so they land, you know, here where we have three feet of snow Mm -hmm. and it's like 10 degrees. Yep. (laughs) This is where I'm taking you for your birthday. And um, she knew that I worked for the National Park Service. Like, oh, we should go visit Sharon Styler. And is like, no, 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 no. We're gonna we're gonna go over here instead. And w- what ended up happening was her husband had invited us to dinner, and so we right. surprised her at dinner. And just talking to her so much about Tony, the universe has been trying to make us friends for a long time. Right. She and I both grew up in Indiana. Mm-hmm. When I was young and learning about birds, I had no birding friends. We would have been, even though she was significantly younger than me, and I would have made relentlessly fun of her. We would have gotten along because of birding. Her brother went... She went to the same high school I did, was just a few years behind, but her brother was a freshman when I was a senior. She ends up Texas. I end up in Minnesota. But the universe gets us all these weirdo friends, like a friend who writes horror movies and horror novels. Yep. Like ones you've read and seen, uh, and or at least birders have heard of. And, and like, no, you need to know this woman. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And... and yeah, it's like we, we should have been friends along. So that's, you know, social media still can work for that. So her husband brought her up here to see this musical, and we had dinner last night. Yes, her husband brought her to Minnesota to see a musical that she loves on her birthday. But yep. yeah, that was, so that's where social media can help. Yeah. All right. Do we have, let's. Uh, you had a story. Which story is this? The meme. Oh, yes. So. <coughs> You've been taking me to task lately for posting birding memes. Uh, but this was uh, particularly a world's colliding one where it was uh, the it was a meme about uh, how a non-birder describes a bird they saw in their yard and they want you to ID it. And it's basically just a Photoshop pastiche of several different kinds oh, of yeah, birds together. Oh, yeah, there's Cardinal, there's a Patu, there's a Stellar's Jay. I'm pretty sure that's a Roadrunner tail. Yeah, all these crazy legs. And, and then it was like what they actually saw is a sparrow. Do you know which sparrow? Uh, European sparrow. That's a house sparrow. Yeah, European yeah, yeah. House sparrow. And so this showed up on Birding Memes by Ken Blankenship. Yep. 
And it just exploded. And I shared it on the Burgett page, and it's exploding. I mean, it was... And what I really loved about it was he posted it that morning, and I looked at it, I'm like, oh, shit, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> so I shared it. By the end of the day on Birding... I don't yeah. even think it was, like, six hours later. Somebody else had, like, shared it on Birding Memes. Yeah. And like, hey, I saw this guy today. It's funny. It's like, oh. So... Go I'm ahead. Sorry, continue. Go ahead. No. So I'm on this image sharing site. It's not Tumblr. It's called Malt Shop. It is a very... There's a very weird story. It's this tiny little image sharing It's service. one of the reasons why you don't want to be friends with Bill and why you do want to be friends with Bill. Yeah, right. Uh, and so this was posted. That maybe like 100 people use this image sharing site. Uh, with the title, Poor Bird Chick. <laughs> and the fir- very first comment was to at me in this, at Bill. Uh, and they go through, my comment was, World's colliding! Which is what you say when I show up in anything that you are doing. I know, yeah. Uh, and then there's just all these comments. There are many comments about how the Audubon, the Audubon Society app is impressive at IDing birds. They go all through these things about people, like how they were going through their birding journeys. Uh, and then somebody who, I can't recall their name, but their, uh, their online handle is Control-Alt-Deviant, is apparently somebody who actually knows you. This is, yeah, this is, yeah, and it's somebody we do who, know. Uh, that we sort of know and don't know and stuff like that. But it was very much, it was very weird that, because I've posted about you on the site, your Washington Post article and all this other stuff that you've done and stuff, which is very weird that people know Well, tell, put, put, decide, read what Control-Alt-Deviant said. Uh, okay. Definitely regret not attending her digiscoping session during the Midwest Burning Symposium. Uh, I will skip over the thing that yeah. they did attend. Pretty sure we ate our mediocre salad at the banquet table next to Bill that day without realizing it. A brush with malt shop greatness. And I don't think I've ever been to the Midwest Burning Symposium. No, I don't think you have been to the Midwest Burning Symposium. And two, if, if, if you had been at the Midwest Burning Symposium, I would not, like have you at your own table away from me <laughs> you would be sitting next to me at the table that they they reserve reserve for for right. speakers and things like that there's some doughy nerd who uh has glasses it reminded me of the time that when we used to go to hoppy hour which is a rabbit socialization event event that happens here in minneapolis yeah. and so it's like a hundred rabbits in this gigantic oh god i remember this yeah 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 and bill and i were we're sitting there and we're watching Dougal hop around our rabbit and uh, someone behind us is is who's from our local rabbit chapter mm-hmm. and is talking to a newbie and like pointing out people and then says, and over there, that's Bill and Sharon Steitler. And we, you and I kind of look at each other and then we like look at where she's pointing and it's this young couple, way younger than you and I are. <laughs> and I think she had blue hair and he's like, uh, you know, I mean, they, they were young and nerdy and, and, uh, and it was just and beautiful and gosh way skinnier than you and I are now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just kind of looked at her and I was like, is that them? She's like, yeah, that's that's Bill and Sharon Steitler of Disapproving uh, Rabbits. I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, and I was there. like, oh, that's so, super awesome. That, that. So that, was, no, my, that this, was my brush with birds. This touched a nerve of how it, because this thing, this is how people, do, like, I oh, used yeah. to a joke in my keynotes. Yep. It's like, someone's like, I had a blue, I had a blue cardinal in my yard. What is yeah. that? Or they just describe things. Or the time that, when I used to work the Raptor Center and I would go out and do bird rescue and people would like, I have this bird, it's not moving, it can't fly, mm-hmm. it's clearly a baby eagle. And then you go pick it up and it's an adult kestrel in a donut box. Or, I mean, I remember talking to someone, it's like, this really doesn't sound like a bird of prey. Does it have a curved beak? Yeah, yeah, the beak is totally curved. Right. Yeah, and it's brown. It's a hawk. It's a hawk. I know it's a hawk. And I get out there, it's a night hawk. And, I, right. and I'm looking and I was like, yeah, your beak is kind of curved. But 
this hits a nerve for how people describe this birds. sort of reminds me of in reverse um i think it might have been during the west nile virus i went into the doctor's office to get like you know inoculation or something like that and they had a poster i didn't get inoculation for it was like the flu shot i was shot. like what i was like what i went to get mean? a flu shot but they had a poster up west and nile virus. it was for the medical staff that said look for zebras and it was supposed to remind them to look for oddities in their diagnosis. Uh, and it's like if somebody said, yeah, I saw this crazy horse out there. It was black and white and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, you just saw a horse. As opposed to, oh, this might have been this potentially serious disease. You know, like this person was, oh, you just had flu. You didn't have West Nile virus. Okay, I will say people do have rare birds. Yeah. And sometimes you can, and, yeah. but... Okay, and I'm also thinking back to like when I worked at the bird store, we had this woman that would call in and describe birds to us. And it, it eventually it turned out she had a blue face parakeet at her bird feeder. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you do have to kind of work through that. But 99.9% of the time, and this oh, yeah. is why I love the Merlin ID app. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't use the photo mm-hmm. aspect of it, if you just go through the questions and ask people those questions, what time of year did you see it? Did you see it in this state? What size was it? What was well, it doing? That that does help. It, those ask questions that get people thinking and, about the bird as opposed to them saying, I mean, no, it was kind of purple. This is just sort of human nature. Nobody wants to see the ordinary bird. No. If they're, if does. they're you know, like as you as a person who is dedicated to birding, you want to know, like you want to diagnose what the bird you saw was. Yes. But if people are a more casual bent, it's like it's like the whole UFO. Thing. Oh, I didn't see a weather balloon or a falling star. I saw a UFO. And the, every now and then a meme will come up as like, oh, you know, this is people who who ID shame people, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, if I'm ID shaming people, they really had it. <laughs> That's the spirit. Anyway, right. Ken Blankenship that made this meme. Mm-hmm. You may have seen it, uh, and if his name wasn't attached to it, it should be. But he was, like, completely inescapable for me for 24 hours because I saw it there. I shared it. Everyone I knew shared it. People who don't know birds shared it to me. You started right. telling me about what was going on on Milkshake. So, round of applause. Malt shop. Malt shop, Milkshake, same thing. Milkshake is the old site. Malt shop is the old Oh, site. seriously? That explains why I call it Milkshake. Yes. Yeah. Why don't you just because we can't post pornography there. This is not that podcast. <laughs> Ask a stupid question. <laughs> I had that one coming. <laughs> yes, you did. I, I, I walked into that. I walked right into that. Okay, let's talk about some bird stuff. Actually, we're going to talk about you. Oh, fuck. I warned you about this story. All right. So, uh, what did I do now? An article came out this week about uh, <laughs> you. I want to apologize in advance for betraying my country, my state, and my wife. <laughs> I ask you all to respect my family's privacy in this difficult time. You need to save that for a story I have coming after this. Oh, God. <laughs> Okay. So this is just use it for every story. (laughs) How bird watching helped ease my anxiety. Oh, okay. Because I do have anxiety. You do have anxiety, and I and I wouldn't bring this up without. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm not springing it. I have depression, which comes at me sometimes as anxiety. 
And this is, a lot of people have it, yep. and it's uh, something to deal with. So I know you're non-birding Bill, but maybe you really need to start bird watching. Oh, God, that would increase my anxiety. But no, this woman wrote... Going to bed knowing I had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, that would drive me insane. You don't have to get up at 5 in the morning. Mm. How often do I actually get up at 5 in the morning? <laughs> How often do I hit snooze? <laughs> But, um, no, this this woman wrote an article about how she was dealing with anxiety, and she was okay. trying all these different ways of dealing with it, and one of the ways was that she started uh, getting out and going bird watching. Yep. And she said, a couple of hours spent peeping at birds has done more for my Sunday scaries, that paralyzing dread, or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, the, and, than anything else. That's a clinical I, term, I believe. Is, is, I don't know. I know. It's Latin. Sunday I know, scaries. no, no. I know, like, the Sunday thing is real. Like, your weekend is ending. You have to go back to work. You oh, don't want to sure. go back to work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but how she started engaging with her community, how she was surprised that she was the youngest person in her birding group. And she is 48? She's younger than us. Oh, okay. But she talks about what you need to get started. And um, the, my absolute that favorite is... part of this article, though, was the very last thing. Because, you know, she's had friends tell her this. And listen... If birds freak you out, I don't agree with you, but I get it. They're literally dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Then skip birding and take take away this. Anxiety sucks. It's probably going to take a combination of things to help, but don't give up. Keep seeking out help yeah. and trying new ways to ease it. I completely agree with that. One of the things that one of the ways that uh, depression comes at me is trying to isolate me from other people. Mm-hmm. And overcoming that is, you know... Being around people is a way of overcoming this, especially if you feel like you are in a community. Mm-hmm. Our friend Zoe actually brought up, this was years ago, we were at a party and we were talking about, I'm sorry, I'm going to com- take a complete left turn here. Everybody, what? You taking a left turn bear in a burning with me. podcast? <laughs> they were t- she, she and I were talking at a party about um, voodoo, which is sort of a, you know, a semi-interest of mine. And they were talking about the, the cures for, she was reading an article about the cures for depression in voodoo, like you have, anyway, this, and it's the thing, it's like you go through these rituals, and it's like the things that they do is like, you get the community together, it is very physical, and very, vo- and like, these are the things that you can do in the body to create endorphins, which is, you know, Oh, they helpful. do physical things. Yeah, helpful in creating, like, you know, a situation. So, yes, if you are someone who has anxiety, and if you are someone who has, like, being... One of the solutions, and I am not a doctor, I have not all the solutions, but one of the things that helps me is feeling like I am part of a community and being around the people that I love. Not around all people, but, you know, specific people. I can always tell when your anxiety is really high because you suddenly want to do things like go camping. Yeah. And it's oh, like, yeah. you want to That's... be outside? Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm reading a book right now <laughs> that there was an article in the Star Tribune. It was this guy who wrote a book called uh, Paradise Below Zero. And it's this book about, it's basically, this is not a book about camping. It's a collection of essays. But it's this guy who lived in Minnesota. I think he died in the 80s. But it's this whole thing about if you have a different mindset, winter can be a really lively place. It's just this whole, like, he he has this wonderful essay, which I'll, I don't, can't quote right now. But, like, we have this mechanical lifestyle where our homes are machines and our cars are machines and our commute is a machine-based commute and so 
winter instead of being this beautiful event to observe in which you can commute through because we have these machines becomes this, you know, source of depression, the source of dread for us. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I was thinking about that now that I have like office days in downtown St. Mm-hmm. Paul and I have to look somewhat office-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, um, I, I right. can't just be in my park ranger uniform and I don't want to be in my park right. ranger uniform because it's an uncomfortable uniform. But um, on office days, I have this thing I'm like, I'm not going from my heated garage to another heated garage. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm going to park in this spot and I'm going to walk several blocks through right. some snow and slush. And so it's I have to plan all my layers. I have to wear my snow boots. Right. Do I try to find an outfit that make my snow boots work all day yeah. that doesn't really look office friendly? And then there's the 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 layers. Yeah. The layers like I don't need a lot of layers in my car. But I knew, do need layers when I'm walking the several blocks outside. Yeah. There's also the Skyway issue. Then there's also the issue of how they heat the building. Yes. It's like, we heat it for men in business suits. Yep. So if you are, you know, it's it, it, we're, you're going to be frozen. Here's how, look, this is the thing that, like, after I read the first two chapters of this book, because he talks about, like, you know, cold, below freezing weather can be, you know, imposing. But if you go out and you dress for it, after you start walking, you start feeling warm. After I read this... On a day off, I went on a six-mile walk in, not sub-zero, but below freezing. I walked from our house to a movie theater and back and had a fantastic time. And just this crazy idea of how you change your mindset about how you are going to adapt to winter. Yeah, I... I, I enjoy snow. I enjoy winter. Mm-hmm. The thing that I that's wearing me down now, especially as... We have a snow forecast yeah. in a couple of days that it's going to be 8 to 12 inches of snow. But no, I mean, this was but, like... But it, let me get... Sure. So the thing for me is like, oh, my commute, which normally is like 30 to 40 minutes, it's now going to be over an hour. Mm. I have to deal with all these layers. I have to deal with scraping. It's not like in the summertime where it's like, I can just slip on my cute summer shoes and get my car. I don't have to scrape anything. Well, that's the thing he talks about. I mean, it's like... This idea that, because this was the thing that was building my depression throughout the winter, is I would have days off and it's like, oh, I can't go anywhere mm-hmm. because it's snowing and I have a car. Whereas he's talking about if you have snowshoes or skis and it's snowing, you can travel faster. You mm. can, but if it's fresh snow, those skis aren't going to be. Well, I mean, it's, you know, but it's a fascinating book. Anyway, you should. Okay, cool. Sorry to everyone for my voice there. I was turning into a grizzled old prospector as I was talking about What did about we have the... for dinner that made us both? Because I had a little bit of that when we started the podcast. Yeah, I don't know. All right, what else we got? The Falcon Sex Hat. <laughs> you know, I used to play bass in Falcon Sex Hat. <laughs> yeah, it's making a... Well, I'm sorry. I apologize for the joke. It's making a comeback. <laughs> uh, which is an... Yeah, because this is something... I feel like the bloggest discovered the Falcon sex I feel like we've been making jokes about this for 10 years. The the vindication that I got was I started getting uh, tweeted at on Twitter. It's like, yeah, I already heard about that from Bird Chick. Thanks. But I mean, then yeah. but then people who don't know me as well were like, did right. you know this was a thing? It's like, yeah, I know. The I re- actually remember, I think the first time I heard about this was a Dave Barry article when I was a kid. Oh, really? Yeah, because they were talking. It was probably the Peregrine. Th- that's that's where it came into. Yeah, the reclamation. So uh, for context, for people who might not know what we were talking about. 
Peregrine falcons were uh, extinct in the Midwest, mm-hmm. and they were reintroducing them. And one of the things that they had to do was to help build up the population. And falconers had developed a technique. So all you people who don't like the falcons, or don't like the falconers, uh, falconers knew how to breed peregrines in mm-hmm. captivity. And one of the ways you would do that is that you would imprint the male to copulate with a hat on your head. Right. And then you would, like, collect the sperm from that and then mm-hmm. put it in the female cloaca. Right. Um, I now have a bigger thing with this. Like, I, I'm just thinking, there's been a lot of falconry hate online in the birding community recently. And some really? of it, some of it is, like, not all falcon hashtag not all falconers. Right. But the other thing is, like, uh, you know, and, like, someone posted a picture of this of very obviously uh, um, poached white jur falcons being going and it's like yeah that's mostly a middle eastern thing your north american falconers are not right. doing this but anyway north american falconers one of the reasons why we have peregrine falcons in the midwest is because of them because they mm-hmm. knew the breeding techniques they donated some of their own birds to yep. help put them in the wild now i'm also thinking of some of the young birders now who complain that we have too many peregrine falcons and they're eating the rare gulls oh my god but i know it's a mess these these young people but anyway the thing with birds of prey is they're not the smartest. It, you can uh, get them to imprint on you, sure. and if they imprint on you, they're gonna fuck your head. Yep. And you can collect the semen and breed it's a and, tail as old as time. It's a tail that's gonna rub itself on your head. So, okay, is there any particular like well, new slant on this other than it just sort of come started started coming up again? Apparently, um, Lester Boyd. The Falcon Sex Pioneer, who, uh, mm. his, if you have the books that I have, yeah, 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 yeah. you have his picture yeah. in there in black and white, and he's wearing the hat, and he's looking very determined, and the Falcon <laughs> is looking very determined. That's how much this man loved nature. <laughs> he died. And so, yes. Mer Brewster on their blog had... Uh, no, I mean, it's a funny line, but it's literally serious. This is how much this man loved, Nate, loved these birds and wanted them back, is that he would... Because let's be clear, as funny as it sounds, a peregrine falcon zooming into your head with its claws to copulate you... Talons. That's a Talons. Is a frightening concept. Not if it's imprinted on you. Well, still... It's, and still, and it's embarrassing. And the fact that he would like let somebody take a photo of them to like document that's their dedication to science, to ecology, to, to rehabilitation of these birds. And it's a funny idea, but I, it's serious. I think if you're into the whole, how can I get you to mate with something so I can take your sperm and put it into this cloaca? Right. I don't think you're embarrassed by this. You're like, I'm, I'm. This is a, this is a math problem I need to solve. This is, <laughs> this is the train left at this time and picked up twenty million people and then like deducted five people and then how do you get when you get to London? How many people do you have I, at what time? I really want to write a play about this process now of these people figuring out how this was going to work. I think and they knew doing how it, it was going to work. It's like, we just need to get some spooge on a hat. And as soon as, I'm sure it was like super embarrassing until the first person did it. And then it became like a, I don't want to say manliness. I don't want to say, what's it, like a dare? Like what's a... Macho? Not macho. It's like once somebody has done something, other people have to do it. And like, as soon as other people have done it. Like, it's a dare culture. It's like, once you've jumped off the cliff into 
the water below where there's rocks and stuff. It becomes bravery, I guess. I don't know. I mean, having worked with some captive birds of prey, and especially ones that are imprinted, and you can tell when you go in to get them for programs, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're horny today. And... Well, the turkey vulture was the most problematic one. Sure. I remember once I was like, I was doing a program with some kids and it was an imprinted male kestrel and it was the time of year when he wanted to breed and he was like ready to go. And in the class, like I, I, I can see him displaying and doing all the things he needs to do and I'm going through the program and then all of a sudden he just goes for it on my gloved hand and the kids are like what's that and I'm like oh he just slipped and fell but the mm. turkey vulture was worse because like with some of the birds it's like it happened so fast you're gonna just be like oh he tripped I don't know it just kind of wiped his his thing but yeah. with the turkey vulture it was like huffing and no, puffing this... <laughs> and no 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 and then like the turkey vulture has this thing that comes out of its chest it's sure. it, it gets engorged and it's red yeah, like a frigate bird it's no not as impressive but, but, it's, but no, uh, yeah. it's it's kind of this red thing but it's not air that's inflating it necessarily and it's it's like the turkey vultures it's like rocking back and forth going, uh, 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 yeah and it's like i need to put you well away. i mean this like the whole like this is the whole absurdity that we have about sex it's like first of all they had to figure out like how to make this hat well the bird's gonna go for the top of your head right the so, bird has, so they're gonna do that and then i imagine like there's a you know a is it vitality? Is that the word I'm looking for? It's like there's only a certain period where the sperm are viable. That's the word. Viability. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, so if you're in one room with it, the male, and then you somebody, just have to walk two doors down to the female, and then somebody has to like swab it and get it and like hope that it takes. It's that's like, pretty much what bird mating is. Yeah, is that but you're it's, just bumping cloacas. You're literally bump. So it's like, oh, he bumped his. But cloaca. it's this whole process that like somebody had to figure out. And... Do they still use these? Yeah. Okay. It's 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 known. They probably have more sophisticated hats with better collection <laughs> methods. <laughs> the only thing I can imagine now is when we watch those 1950s movies where they have an interstitial where it's like the women's fashion show. Yes. Like uh, the women and um, Singing in the Rain where it's suddenly like the women's fashion show. It's like, yeah, yeah. here are the new bird semen collection hats for 1996. I know that I'm not going to have any kind of special obituary when I die. I'm, and sure. I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a blip. I'm a blip. I'm a complete mm. blip. But I mean, like, if I were, I would love it to be for something like the Falcon Copulation hat. Maybe that's a contest you should have where people can design new hats. <clears throat> well, I feel like the Falcon Copulation hat is done. And according to some new birders, we have too many falcons. They're eating the rarities. Maybe I should get a rarity copulation hat. <laughs> oh, God. I used to play bass in rarity copulation hat. Speaking of rarity copulations. Oh, boy. I meant to bring this up when we were talking okay, about... Okay, where are you going with this story? I meant to bring it up when we were talking about the Ken Blankenship meme. Uh-huh. So, we have a guy that works in my office. I'm going to kill him. Why? <laughs> Continue with your anyway, story. he he technically he, he works with the park service, not for the park service. Okay. And he also he's we've seen him in shows. He does stuff with improv here. Mm-hmm. So he walks by my office, and he he's also someone who talks to himself and kind of mumbles. And he walks by, and he was like, "Oh, hey, here's a bird expert." I'm like, "Okay, here it comes. It's a bird question." He's like, "Oh, I, I saw a bird, and I want to show it to you." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." And I'm used to this. This is what you do. I'm the bird expert. So he shows me his phone. And I'm like, you asshole. I literally said that to him. It's a gull. Mm. 
And it's a gull. It's an immature gull. Ah. And he wants to know what the hell oh, it is. Oh, boy. And, I, and I'm like, are you serious? You're showing me, like, an immature gull, and you want me to identify it? And he looks at me really puzzled, and he's like, yeah, I showed it to Gordon. And Gordon was like, oh, I don't do gulls. And now, part of me is like, we know of all the birding experts in the office. I am the birding expert. You showed it to Gordon first and not me. But Gordon is, he's kind of like a naturalist naturalist. Right, right, Gordon right. is, he knows a little bit about everything. Well, I shouldn't say, he knows a lot about everything. But right. also it's like, really, seriously, you went you went to Gordon before me. But anyway, he's like, yeah, I showed this to Gordon. And Gordon was like, yeah, I don't do gulls. <laughs> and so I'm looking at it and I was like, nobody. I said, the, the only possible way this picture you brought to me could be worse would be if it was a flycatcher. So you got upset with him for showing a bird photo that you couldn't identify to somebody else who couldn't identify the bird. I didn't say I couldn't identify it. Okay. I just said, I was like, hmm. it, normally I'm used to people showing me a picture and I was like, that's a spotted toey. Toeys trip people up left and right. Or it's sure. like, that's a flicker. Toeys and flickers, that just freaks people out. And I and I get why they can't figure them out. But um, I was like, oh, this isn't just a quick question. This is a, a gull that I'm going to have to think about. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, the beak is really heavy. So it's one of the bigger gulls. I know this isn't a Hearman's gull. And so, and I said, honestly, just just airdrop that photo, and I'm going to put it in Merlin. And Merlin yeah. went to this photo. And it ended up being a, a Western gull, okay. an immature Western gull, which is fine. But I when I went over to him, because I had to wait a few minutes to, to download the photo and I went back to him and, and Gordon was there and I was like it's an immature western gull and Gordon was like oh thank god I hate doing gulls I was like I know and he's like why do you people hate doing gulls and, and Gordon and I were like the immatures have five different plumages and then like they hybridize and they're hard but I was just, I just... <sighs> great story it is a great story I I, on the one hand, I love that people seek me out for advice, but the thing that I've discovered is that people want you to know every single solitary bird on the planet. That's true. And and, and today was a classic example. Someone, the royal flycatcher was going around. That's the flycatcher that you see. It, it's right. it's the bird gift that shows up, and it looks like a flycatcher, but it has this like crazy orangish red blue spotted crown and the bird is like whipping its head back and forth looking all freaked out. Sure. But then you also get pictures of you know, like green colored doves and purple. And it's like, I can't know all 10,000 birds on the planet. Right. It's the burden. It is the burden. The burden. Every now and then I'm just like, I don't know. It's it's a kingfisher. All right. Do we have another story? We do. Somewhere. All right. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Annie has replied. Annie, are you out there? Annie, uh, our, our spoonbill. Ah, okay. Agiri. Ah. So it's Annie Agiri. Okay. So Thank Annie, you, Annie. Annie, well, we'll probably like shout out you again to make sense we're doing this in the middle of All the right. podcast and people have clearly stopped listening at this point. Annie Agiri, the wrath of God. She's an amazing felt artist. Cool. She had felt items uh, available at the... Uh, it's her work felt. It Indiana is now. Oh. Indiana Dunes Bird Festival. So, cool. Yeah, and she's the leader there. All right. What's our okay. next story? So you know how like, sometimes people like to say homosexuality isn't natural? Uh, yes, I do. It's totally natural it in is. the bird world. Yep, it if is absolutely. If you have my book, A Thousand and One Secrets Every Birder Should yep. Know, you would see how natural it is, although there are some cases where uh, chemicals have gotten involved and made birds right. a little more gay. Yep. But in the grand scheme of things, this is a thing that happens in the birding world. It is absolutely so, something that happens. 
Something very interesting is happening with one of the bald eagle nest cams. Okay. Uh, on the Mississippi River. Yes. It is a triad. Yep. It is uh, two males and one female. Mm-hmm. And the nest cam is out there. And so it, it, part of me is fascinated. Mm-hmm. Because the whole narrative is that bald eagles fall in love for life. Oh, yeah. No, it's complete and bullshit it, it, that they, it, it, you know, they lock claws and fall to the earth and split at the last moment. Well, some of that's for Yeah. Some of that's fighting. Yeah. But no, like when, when uh, that publisher was pitching me for mm-hmm. A Thousand One Secrets about birds, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, we want something very anthropomorphic about how bald eagles fall in love with for life. And I'm like, if mm-hmm. you want anthropomorphic, no. well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But it's like, you call it an affair, we call it extra bear copulations. Yeah. And so on the one hand, bald eagles will pair up with another bird for several years at mm-hmm. a time. Whether you want to call it life or not, that's up to you. Yeah, I suppose it depends on how long you, yeah. you live. Yeah, but they they tend to pair up, I guess if they fall in love with anything, it's a territory. Mm-hmm. So here we have a situation where... Oh, it's such a great neighborhood. The schools are really, here. The schools are great. We're right on the bus line. Yes. So... Uh, so we have a, a three eagle situation here, and that's interesting. W- one of the things that fascinated me. Mm-hmm. So one of the memes that I've seen of these three birds, and it's all three birds in the nest, and it's like, when people question your non-traditional family structure, answer, right. don't talk to me or my two husbands or my <laughs> successfully fledged chicks ever right. again, because this this triad has been happening for several years of this mm. female navigating two different males and all three of them participate in raising the young and interesting it's interesting that everybody is tolerating each other yeah i my my first thought when i saw this was questioning whether it was like sort of the the crow thing we talk about like where the the young will Mm -hmm. stay in a family group but i you know do we know like i don't think we know whether or not one of these is uh a young bird Mm -hmm. from from the pairing but copulation is happening with both males oh, and okay. female. And, and, and that's not to say that doesn't happen. Right. I mean, in Peregrine Falcons, we know for sure it's like, oh, that bird you paired up with, that's technically your granddaughter. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's animals. There's not, like, you can't talk about nature in terms of... I mean, this is one of the things that I remember from, and granted, I know you haven't seen this movie, and maybe you probably shouldn't see this movie, is, is Grizzly Man. One of the things is that this is this guy who is trying to impose as a way of, you know, healing himself, a structure on these animals. But he gets to a point where he's with the grizzlies during a drought, and the adult grizzlies eat the baby grizzlies. Mm-hmm. And like, But he edits that all out of his film. Like, he records that, but then one of the things that he does is he goes and does programs in schools, and that's obviously not something he's going to show. But it's just like you can't impose a human moral narrative on nature. But people try to do that all the time. And I'm like, if you're going to do that, hey, this happens. You have these kind of pairings happen. Not Mm -hmm. that I... I, One of my favorite quotes is from, actually, I think it's from the X-Files. And it's it's from uh, Scully. And she says, nature doesn't change. 
our understanding of nature changes. But I don't like to dismiss this as, well, these are animals and that's why this is happening. Well, not, yeah, it clearly is some kind of cooperative parenting yeah. that's working to help these chicks survive. Yeah, and we, how much of nature do we as humans observe where we understand what is going on? And how much, and, and I think there's a lot we don't, especially when you I get mean, into species that are, the males and females are the same color. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's a crazy narrative to imply it's like, oh, you know, they mate for life, and this is how... This is one man, one woman. This is healthy. It's like, take a fucking look at a beehive and tell me how... <laughs> tell yeah. me how nature is supposed to operate. She went on her maiden flight and got the shit fucked I'm out of her just, by several males. You know what, Sharon? I'm just going to hang around the house all day and just eat honey and do nothing else, and then... And then I'm going to fly out, and if, I, if I have sex with somebody, yeah. I'm going to die you're gonna and have not all these, come back. You're going to have all these neutered females around you who do work and do nothing else. That actually is a dream. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you really can't point. You cannot point to uh, to nature for a human. Uh, oh, I'm just, but I'm just gonna say, I'm like just... fucking lion prides. What did What did you see at the lion pride? Well, I mean, it's just like not the lion pride festival, but the lion pride. <laughs> it's like you have one male who you know has all these females around him until he gets too old, and then he gets killed and driven off. It's like the, the, this narrative does not make sense. No, but the the whole thing of like homosexuality is not yeah. natural. Yeah. It's very natural it's in birds. It's extremely natural. Well, and, it, and you know, you'll have the whole same sex pairing with albatross, and then if it's two males, they'll find a female to lay some eggs and then chase her off. The thing that I remember distinctly was the documentary we watched about the cane toads in uh, Australia, which were an introduced species, and they have what, the thing I remember distinctly is cane toads will have sex with the dead, squashed bodies of other cane toads. So that's, necrophilia, that's completely natural. Well, we already know that because mallards have their own exactly, necrophilia yeah. Exactly. But it, and the, there's also the whole thing of um, one in five <sighs> mallards has had gay natural. sex. One in size. Natural. It, it's, anyway. But I find it, but I, the thing that I think is interesting is that this triad bald eagle thing, it's on a live cam. They're showing yeah, it. Yeah, And exactly. it's like, this This is working. They have successfully fledged chicks. Yeah. And... Well, I mean, this gets into the idea of evolution. Is like, is this a genetic difference in these birds that they are going to pass on to their young? Is it? Or is it... The other thing that you have to question, though, is... So we're now looking at bald eagle populations getting back to maybe what they might have been. Mm-hmm. Sure. Pre-European settlement. Maybe this was a thing that happened. Maybe it was. You know, it's like, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to kill somebody off. Can can we just share? Yeah. Can we just share my genetics? Yes. I mean, there's the thing. I remember one of the, I think it was a, um, who's the BBC documentary, uh, the naturalist? Attenborough? Attenborough. It may have been an Attenborough documentary. One of the things I remember in one of the first documentaries I remember seeing was something about some specific kind of crow where... The male would, like, they would establish nest, and then he would fly off, and then another male would come in and have sex with the female. And, like, she would have, you know, maybe produce his eggs, and this was an established behavior with all of this particular breed of crow. So. I don't know what you're talking about. In terms of, you know, faithfulness of birds and they're oh, made well, for life. And so it's like, well, no, faithfulness is, yeah. I mean, it's, it, that's so been tossed out the window. You can't point to nature as a blueprint for human Judeo-Christian morality. Well, maybe if you take the Judeo-Christian thing out of it, you can. I no. mean, because here we have two males and a female. Yeah. 
raising young. Yeah. Everybody's getting That's, along. It's fine. Yeah, no, I'm everybody sa- stays out of each other's business. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm just. If you, if you just want to find the one person, I don't know. What is natural? Eagles live for a long time. They pair up for a long time. Yep. Sometimes you just want a little variety. <laughs> All right, on that note, I think we'll wrap up this free episode. Thank you so much for listening with your children to this episode. Nobody should be listening to this. Don't we? We have, like, this is this is an adult podcast. Yeah, I think we have explicit on there. So. Yeah, yeah, because I swear, and oh, there's a funny <sighs> like, look at my toes. That's um, natural. All right, if you have any questions, you can talk to Sharon. She is at BirdChick. You can email her, Sharon, at BirdChick.com. You can find her at BirdChick.com. You can find her on Facebook as one of the bird chick. Are you, are you like the I'm real bird chick? The bird chick. The because bird someone... Chick. Right, a, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, please look at our Patreon. We have like three bonus episodes right now. They are super fun. Um, if you can't donate to us or if you don't want to, please go to iTunes and rate and review us. It really helps us. Um, and we will be back. With- so does rating and reviewing really help us? Or is it... Wait, hold on, it hold does. on. I just feel like... When you said rate and review us, it really helps us. You it hear does. that on all the podcasts. Does it really help it you? Absolutely. That's the thing I'm learning from the podcasts I listen to and support via Patreon is that um, it, the more reviews you get, it really helps. Like if it helps, I to it helps Apple notice you and promote you within the genres that you are in. Here, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to be the best birding podcast out there. Boy, are we not ever. No. I just want to do this particular podcast for the people who like it. Sure. And if you just like it enough for $1 a month, yep. I'm going to do the shit out of this podcast. If you if you want to give us $1, you have no idea how much we appreciate that. No, no. So basically... That's a vote that says what you are doing is entertaining. So when we thought about bringing about this back this because we enjoy mm-hmm. doing the podcast yep. we're amazed that people want to listen to it yep but i told bill i was like i have to give up some of my freelance writing yep. if i'm going to carve out time for this podcast yep. and it has to supplement that freelance writing mm-hmm. i would give up this is so much more fun so with yeah. that de- depending on the uh patreon level that you're at you can tell us what to talk about. Yeah. The only thing that I'm not going to talk about is specifics of being a federal employee because the ethics office gets really mad at me. I understand. And let, let me be clear about this if because I understand. I have – I do not support all of – I cannot financially support all the podcasts I listen to. So if you can't do that, tell somebody about it. Write a review. That's if all you we know ask. someone who has extra or dollars, say, hey. Just enjoy the podcast. That's Don't all we give ask. Us anything. Yeah, send us just... email. Send us email for yeah, crying if out loud. Yeah, free. Send us a question. If you're a free listener and you're just like, this is how I get through my commute. I don't yeah. know why these people have a podcast. Send us a question. Send us questions about the stupid things you want to know that we have done. There you go. Wait. What? Wait. No, I mean just like. You don't have to reveal about anything about yourself. Just ask us dumb questions. We want... Send Any us your questions. dumb questions. Do you have relationship questions? We'll answer those. We'll do our best. We'll tell you our experience of people who've been together We'll for... do bird questions, but just send us But if you have dumb questions, questions about... No, if you have don't questions be embarrassed. about... Like, like, you were in the trust room. But send if you us... have questions about what it's like to be in a long-term relationship yeah. with a third bald eagle. I, I, let me reverse that. Don't You don't have to send us questions that reveal anything about yourself. You can ask us dumb questions yes 
Maybe that needs to be our thing. Ask us a question that will embarrass us. All right. I don't know if someone could ask a question that would embarrass us. <laughs> oh, challenge accepted. All right. Thank you very much. We will talk to you soon. Ta-ta. Conversation about ice in how Minnesota used to be this big ice harvesting place. And when, like, sterile ice first started coming out, they're like, yeah, we know it's cloudy. And you know, like, when you get to the bottom of your drink, there might be a little debris in there. But you won't get typhoid this way. Whereas Minnesota ice harvesters were just like, look at how clear our ice is. (laughs) You know? And they managed to hold on over, hey, our ice won't give you typhoid over, look at how artisanal and clear our ice is. All right. Check, 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 check. This is Bill. This is Bill.